check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Patients with serious illnesses like cancer, dementia, advanced renal, cardiac, or neurologic disease. We are all about patient and family well-being, but also medical team and physician well-being. You'll learn things to help you heal your patients and yourself, and I am really glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dr. Caramonti, and today we're going to talk about creating powerful doctor-patient connection even when you only have a short office visit. So there's a tension, right? We all know there's this tension between connecting with the patient and really being present and showing your empathy and, you know, all that kind of good doctor stuff that you wanted to do when you decided to become a doctor and then being on time and the pressures of getting done in a short amount of time with the visit, getting your notes done, you know, having the balance between your work and your own life so that you're not doing pajama time till midnight, doing charts because you spent too long with all the patients because you were trying to get a good connection and you thought it took a long time to do it. So that's why we're going to talk about how can you make a powerful connection with a patient in a really short amount of time so that you can get out of the visit in time, get your notes done, get home and enjoy your life. So the challenge, of course, is that we have to get so much done in so little time, but patients hate it when their doctor stares at the computer for the whole visit. And we know why we're doing it because we're trying to, you know, do the note. We're trying to do the note. We're trying to get everything down and do the documenting like we have to so we can bill appropriately, so we can meet our RVUs. There's a a serious challenge for the physician for sure. But from the patient point of view, they've waited for this visit and they really don't like it when they don't get eye contact, when their doctor spends the whole time on the computer. But the fact is being really, really present, really present for a short period of time can actually give you more control over the timing of the visit without fracturing that doctor-patient relationship. So I'm going to give you an unrelated example of my daughter when she was one of my daughters when she was very little. She was two and a half and I, you know, was trying to do as busy parents do, trying to take care of her and give her attention and then get tasks done in the house. And I thought I was, you know, I'm playing with her, but I'm also trying to do some other things at the same time. And she would tantrum a lot. And then I read this book called Mindful Parenting. And the idea of this book was just give your kids a hundred percent of your focus for a short period of time and their behavior will get better. And you can tell them, you know, we're, we're going to set the timer and we're going to have 10 minutes to play, but then I'm going to go do this other thing I have to do. Revolutionized my parenting. And instead of a longer time where I was halfway engaged, I had shorter times of being fully engaged. And then sometimes when I was clear, like, you're going to have to play by yourself because I have to go do this other thing. And it made a humongous difference in her tantrums. So the idea is the same. I'm not saying your patients are two-year-olds, of course, but the idea is the same, which is that when people don't feel like they have our full attention, they have to work harder to engage us. They have to say more things. They have to emphasize how bad their symptoms are. They have to say it again 
if they don't feel like they're really being heard. So sometimes if we make them feel really heard for real, like they are, in fact, being really heard because we're not distracted, then they don't have to say as many words. They don't have to say it all over again. They don't have to escalate how bad their symptoms are to try to get our attention. Because it's frightening not to be cared for or to have to feel like you have to fight to be cared for. So in addition to having them perhaps taking longer to tell their story, it activates their amygdala, which may make them more anxious, more afraid, more agitated, maybe even more confrontational if they feel like they have to fight us to be seen, to be heard, to get attention. So we don't want the patient to have to escalate the severity of their symptoms, repeat their stories, tell multiple stories to emphasize the same point because they feel like we aren't really present or we aren't really engaged with them. So what can we do? There are six things that I would suggest that you do. The first one is to center yourself before you enter the room, which seems like, yeah, yeah, I don't have time for that, except it really can save you time. Now, of course, we're running from thing to thing. Someone's like, oh, I need you to do that. And what about this patient message? And this other patient needs that thing. But you are about to enter the room of a unique human being who is waiting to see you, who is nervous even a little bit about how's this visit going to go. So if we can even take 15 seconds just to center ourselves, to let go of whatever was happening before we entered this room, just center ourselves. We can do a much better job of giving the patient the true impression that we are present with them. So how can you do that? How do you center yourself? There's no one right answer. There's lots of different options. But you might, for example, take two slow, deep breaths with the out breath being longer than the in breath. You might rub two of your fingers together with enough tension that you can feel the ridges of those fingers, maybe for 10 or 15 times. You might say a prayer, if that's your thing. You might say a healing intention for the patient. You might focus all your attention while you're cleaning your hands, either with water or with hand sanitizer, focusing on what it feels like, what the temperature is, how slippery it is on your fingers, the warmth of the water if you're using water. So that's a little tiny meditation. So pick a thing that you do that centers yourself before you enter the room. That's number one. Number two, when you first get into the room, give the patient your undivided attention for two or three minutes. So not a long time. I'm not saying you can't be on the computer. Of course you can be on the computer. But Give them two or three minutes where your whole vibe makes it clear that you are paying attention to them. Your body language, your gaze, look at them, look them in the eye if it's appropriate, have a forward body posture towards them, and have your intention be in in your mind that you are fully there with that person just for two or three minutes. Number three is ask permission to disengage. And basically, you're asking permission to use the computer. So ask permission before you do it. As in, I would really like to write down what you're saying. Would it be okay if I did that now and I'll take some notes in the computer? So don't be scared to say that. 
most people are not going to say, no, you can't do that. But what it does is it gives back the, some control to the patient and it's just respectful of them. It's respectful because it acknowledges it's kind of a drag that you have to now look away from them and look at the computer and you want to ask their permission before you do something that's just a touch understandably disrespectful. So of course you have to do it. I'm not saying it's disrespectful and don't do it. You have to do it, but it is good for your doctor-patient connection if you ask permission first. And they might say, for example, wait, let me just tell you this one thing before you do that. And then if, if it's a short thing, then I would recommend that you say, sure, go ahead, because it gives them some control. So number one was you're going to center yourself before you enter the room. Number two, when you first get into the room, you're going to give them your undivided attention for two or three minutes. Number three, you're going to ask permission to disengage before you start writing in the computer. Number four is get on their side about the lack of time. As in, instead of the the vibe of, I don't have time to hear all your stories, have it be more like, I wish we had more time to spend together. Like you're both on the same side and time and work pressures are on the other side. So you wish that you had more time to spend with them, to hear all of their stories. So it makes a big difference for the patient to know you kind of think this is a drag too, as opposed to you just think that the patient is a drag. That's number four. Number five is state how long you have together. Ideally, you do this early on in the visit, as in we have about 15 minutes together today. What are the most important things that you'd like to discuss? Because patients often don't know how much time you have allotted to them. They may think it's a whole lot more, and they may think you're trying to scoot out of the room because you just don't want to talk to them. So if you tell them, gosh, I wish we had more time together. Today, we only have 15 minutes scheduled, but I want to make sure I get to what's most important to you. Tell me what that is. Then you're again getting on the same side as the patient as opposed to the opposite side. And then for some patients, not all patients, of course, but for some patients, you might offer a solution if next time they really do need more time. There are some people who are extraordinarily complex, or you just feel for whatever clinical reasons that that person really, really does need more of your time, you could offer a solution. Perhaps they could make another appointment, a regular appointment to talk about it. Perhaps next time they could make the last appointment of the day if you want the opportunity to give them a few more minutes or the last one before lunch, only if you want that. Don't feel obligated to do that, of course. But if you want to, an opportunity to give them more time, you can recommend that they make an appointment at a particular time where you may have a little more flexibility. But if you don't have that, you can simply suggest we only have 15 minutes today, but that is a really important thing that you're bringing up. I think we need a whole other visit to talk about it. So let's schedule that visit and we'll make sure that during that visit, we spend the time talking about that condition. And for the occasional patient, if it works in your schedule, you might suggest that they ask for two slots for their next appointment, um, if that works for your office. So that way you really do have a little more time to spend with them, but they, you've trained them to know when you have a short amount of time and when you have a longer amount of time. Okay, so your goal is to try to supercharge your connection with the patient without adding to the length of your visit because we all recognize the pressures that you're working under. So number one, you're going to center yourself before you enter the room. 
Number two, when you first get into the room, you're going to give the patient your undivided attention for two or three minutes. Number three, you're going to ask permission to disengage before you start writing in the computer. Number four, you're going to get on their side about the lack of time, sharing something like, I really wish we had more time to spend together. And right after that, you can state how long you have together. But today we only have 15 minutes scheduled. So I want to make sure that I know what's most important to you to discuss. And then you want to offer a solution if they really do need more time, either a follow-up visit, a follow-up longer visit, a visit at a different time of day that works better for you, etc. Okay, so your homework this week is just to practice that. Practice that on at least one patient on purpose. On purpose, say, okay, I'm going to do the six things, all of them. I'm going to do all six things for this patient and see how it works. Let me know. Send me an email. Let me know how it works because the more we do this, the less we feel like we have to choose between the patient and ourselves. The goal is we can use tools to give the patient what they need without increasing our own stress and decreasing our own well-being. All right. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you listen and I will see you next Thursday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Integrative Palliative Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Palliative Medicine. If you find value in this podcast, please do two things for me. Number one, share with a colleague. This is how we spread the word and I really need your help. And number two, please do leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It would really mean the world to me. You can find me at integrativepalliative.com and also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Come find me, reach out, send me an email, and come check out on the website our upcoming physician training programs. It's been great to have you here, and I'll see you next Thursday.